0: Welcome to SpotCast, Start 96800 Mark 53. My name is Tim Mitchell and I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And Jonathan is not with us tonight. He's off, you know, gallivanting around the universe he's on a secret mission. Which how, how do we say this? He's on a, he's on a, what do they say on Star Trek when they have a covert mission? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. It's undisclosed. He's at an undisclosed location, meaning I don't know where he is. <laughs> anyway, so we have some fact check from last week, um, starting off with, um, uh, Jonathan started singing All By Myself, um, which is a song which I attributed to Harry Nilsson because it, to me it reminded me of a song that is the kind of thing that Harry Nilsson was famous for writing. But in fact, All By Myself was actually Eric Carmen from around the same time period. And the reason I got confused by it is because the song that Harry Nilsson wrote was called Without You, which is practically the same song. If you go back to the 70s and listen, or if you've ever heard 70s music, you know they're all like that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were also talking about um, the talking, talking Dead, which is a recap of. Um, the Walking Dead and of course they did After Trek last year uh, for Discovery Star Trek Discovery and uh, and I, I mentioned that there was a thing called um, After Black but it was called After the Black and it was on started in 2014 which covered um, it followed it was on Space TV here in Canada uh, followed uh, Orphan Black which started two years earlier in, in 2012 so season three they started doing After, after the Black but and, and I also said that it was the, the original one but I think that um, I think I was wrong I think actually believe The Talking Dead is actually the first of these type of uh, mini podcasty kind of things that they do after the shows. So, And as well, I also mentioned last week when we were trying to uh, do some discer- dis- discerning of things, um, there's a quote by Arlo Cuthrie from Alice's Restaurant, which I like too. But the one I was talking about was using complicated sums. Matt Smith had said at one point yeah, about complicated sums. But he was in The Day of the Doctor. He was talking to the character Osgood. And he says, good, I've always wanted to have someone call me, yes. Now all I want is the stone dust dust analyze, and I want a report in triplicate with lots of graphs and diagrams and complicated sums on my desk tomorrow morning. So, yeah, that's sort of the the quote that I thought I would remember. Anyway, um, we also talked about this on on, uh, More Than Just Code last night, but when I was talking about the Saturn V rocket, I mistakenly called it the Saturn V several times, which, again, uh, Jonathan didn't really notice either, so what can I say, but friend of the show, More Than Just Code friend of the show, Steve Heyman pointed out to me, that it was actually Saturn V, and I, I, I'm rattling my brain. Like I'm sure I must have called it Saturn V for many, many years too. But oh well. And um, the school of philosophy that I couldn't remember uh, that Socrates was in, was the head of was the Socratic method, of course, which is the, the mm-hmm. idea the idea of the ideal. I forget what we were talking about with uh, with the case of this what I was talking about with Socratic method, which is where you have an ideal of of an object, and yet you have different iterations, which is very similar to what we do in in our coding and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't know if you know this last bit of fact check around 57 minutes into the show. I was talking about Sean. A- I said Sean Aston, but it's not Sean Aston. He's the, the Hobbit, obviously. Um, but uh, Sean Ashmore plays Iceman on the X Men series in the, the original series, right? You are aware of that? Yeah.
1: So you're talking, yes, yeah, so you're talking about the movies by Fox from the early 2000s yes. until fairly yeah. recently. Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, he has an identical twin brother named Aaron Ashmore, I mean, so identical that when I started watching the show, I was trying to remember. It's called um uh, Killjoys, right? Uh, I couldn't remember the name of that one, but but uh, Aaron Ashmore was one of the one of the bounty hunters on that show, and um, and the, the lady that leads it, she's one of the one of the people that was just in in the last Avengers movie, the um, uh, Infinity Gauntlet, right? What was it called? No, Infinity War. Um, but Aaron Ashmore, I swear, like if you saw him on on TV by himself, you would think he was Iceman. Like they they are mm. they are identical, and they don't yeah. even, they don't even go out of the way to wear different hair or whatever, right? So very very confusing. He was also on. Uh, Apparently also on Veronica Mars, the original the original show, but I don't really remember that myself. Jonathan would know because he's you know, studied those in great detail. So there you go. And um, the the psychiatrist that's exam or like being the doctor to Spock when he was on the when he committed himself. Um, her name is Alison Down. She's a Canadian actress, and I thought she was a baddie on on Hilljoys uh, but no, I was wrong. She was actually a baddie on Twelve Monkeys, mm. and she was also one of the actors in Battlestar Galactica. Although I don't remember. Which role she played there, but yeah, so a very, very you know famous face. And, and Jonathan was talking about um, the the uh, the battle scene in the Last Identity Part Two, and uh, my, to me they look like flying pelvic bones, like oh the, you think? the
1: shape of the <laughs> I forget what class the Orville is, but like yeah. the all of the um, Union starships look like that.
0: Yeah, what Jonathan was saying, because you know, of course for those who don't know, Jaime didn't watch listen to the show, so um, he didn't know that Jonathan had said that. the was very confusing Watching that battle because you didn't know who to root for because you couldn't tell who the Orville was and whatever because they all looked the same, right? So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but to me they're like like flying pelvic
1: bones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see that. I think of them as like flying space squids.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't understand. I guess they they don't want to have the straight off warp coils like the way the original Star Trek does, you know? And they continued continued to have those in the uh, in the rest of the series, but this one, these ones, they sort of have triple. I don't know. I don't even know if they call them warp drive. They don't
1: call it warp drive, do they? Fast the light for sure right oh man what they they say it often enough but I obviously don't have 30 <laughs> some years what they that's gonna have to be fact-checked too because I don't they do call it a particular thing mm. like something the drive the blue drive but drive. I can't remember what it's
0: called yeah, okay it's too bad um so yeah we were talking on the on more Than just code last night but uh, this is going into the headlines about Apple's upcoming um, announcements and one of the, one of them leads us into our first story. but before we go there I want to take a moment I mean and I want to discuss the mtjc curse right for those of you driving at home Mm. or transporting at home we record mtjc every week on wednesday night and invariably what does apple do on thursday morning i mean
1: they always release some sort of news that is very important and relevant and would be a likely topic of discussion had we known about it just 24 hours prior
0: yeah or even 12 hours prior yeah
1: yeah so yeah so um
0: they just announced wwdc uh which is the big developer conference for uh, mac developers and ios developers is going to be held we knew it was going to be held we had a good guess as to when the dates were but they've announced that the tickets are going on sale now or sorry not on sale the the, the lottery to buy the tickets is starting now and close the window closes at uh, 8 p.m eastern daylight time on wednesday march 20 20th i believe yeah 20th right yeah so, Let me see the
1: register register
0: yep wednesday yeah, it's March five, 20th. 5 p.m for you guys on the on the left coast right mm-hmm. yeah so yeah.
1: are you planning on going or you're planning on applying? Not sure. I was chatting with coworkers about that. Uh, yeah, got a fair amount of travel as it is this year for conference stuff. So I'm not sure if I'll make it to this one, but we'll see. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'd obviously like to put my name into the hat too, but uh, I haven't been picked in five years now. It's been the last one I was at it was 2014. So, uh, and that, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, my visit to uh, San Jose a couple of, year, couple of years ago. I went to visit Mark down there, so see what what, what was up, and visit the McHenry and see where it's going to be and stuff. I mean, to be honest with you, I, no offense to San Jose, but I think San Jose or San Francisco is a much nicer, you know, in my opinion, my, you know, uneducated opinion, <laughs> seems to be a much better uh, venue for that kind of stuff. But, you know, but mind you, you're, you're at the conference the
1: whole time, really. I, you know, I think you went one year, right, honey? I mean, yeah. I, two years? I haven't been to San Francisco, oh, sorry, San Jose right. uh, to compare, but I mean, San Jose is probably a, you know, okay place to live, but from a tourist standpoint and like, Cool stuff to do when you're not at the conference. I think San Francisco is probably the bigger draw.
0: Yeah, that's sad. I mean, like, well, I mean, it's it's closer to the Apple headquarters, you know. Um, there's, there is an international airport in San Jose, too, right? So or near San Jose? Yeah, yes, so. yes, I think there is. I think, that, I think that one flies out of Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, like a hub connected to Dallas
1: maybe, maybe, maybe several other places too. I'm not sure what the typical flights are there. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. So it sounds, well, I
0: mean, we're happy to announce that tickets for WWDC are on sale. I don't know if anybody who listens to this show would really, you know, care, but we do. The hosts do. I feel
1: yeah. like there's a fair chance of overlap between, you know, software developers, iOS developers, and inside my fans. Yeah. yeah. And I think oh, a big, big nerd before factor. I forget here, the real-time follow-up here, no fact check necessary. It's the quantum drive that they the call
0: them drive. Of yeah. So why would that? Why would they call it quantum?
1: I mean, it sounds something. cool and spacey, right? Physicky, physically
0: quantum physics. You know. Yeah. Know.
1: The, the thing that's closer, or the fact that they use dysonium crystals to power, not uh, not dilithium. Dysonian, like what do they run vacuum cleaners or something? Well, that, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I don't know if it's like coincidentally named after Explains somebody they else. Explain
0: how keep the ships so clean all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> With the Dysonian robots and stuff. All right. Well, anyway, let's. To get into the headlines so as i was alluding to the fact that apple has a big announcement here and my reaction to it immediately was what no uh, apparently um apple is rebooting time bandits uh directed by like uh watiki at watiti i guess i don't know mm-hmm. um but yeah but i like one of my favorite movies of all time it's going to be uh and we talked about this on more than just code yesterday didn't we
1: yeah, a little bit because it. I was like, "What's up with the with the news here?" Because it was relevant to discussing Apple's TV support, supposed upcoming subscription series. Or sorry, uh, TV subscription.
0: Yeah, no, um, and it starts a, stars a lot of little people. Uh, I'm not sure what the proper term for them is these days, um, but uh, which is, you know is sort of funny in its own way. But they they are they basically the time bandits are people who little guys who work for God Himself or the Supreme Being, and um, they find His map, which lets him lets them jump from portal to portal, and they travel through history. So it's a it's a fun movie from that point of view. They run into Napoleon and uh, Agamemnon and all that kind of stuff. And this little boy named Kevin, they end up in his in his bedroom, and, and he becomes a tra- one of the time bandits with them, right? So and they travel through time and, and learn all about to sort of have their way with history, right? So you know, changing it by because they're they're there to steal gold and silver and, and loot the uh, the, the uh, I guess the the ultimate pawn stars, right? They're they're looting mm-hmm. past times right? So, so who knows what they're going to do with the, with this this as a TV show? Uh, yeah. But
1: like, at the very least, it's Taiko Waititi, the director for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, just something well, exactly. I enjoy. Okay. Okay. Uh, also, uh, what we do in the shadows was another movie that he did with uh, his other New Zealand friends, like uh, one half of the flight of the Concords group, Jermaine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I understand your, your fear. I'm not concerned about the people who are behind the production. I'm
0: just concerned about why can't they find a new story to tell?
1: Oh, well, I mean, there's many reasons why, but yeah, Yes, I, I could totally agree with that.
0: You know, because if, if you look at Time Bandits now compared to what they will do with it today, it's going to look—it's going to make Time Bandits look dated, you know? So it's like, it's not, we're not making, remaking the Maltese Falcon or Casablanca, you know? True. Um, I, w- True. I would hope that, you know, movies like, like Time Bandits and Star Wars even would become, you know, classics that are sort of enjoyed just in their own right, you know, as, as statements made in, at that time, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, all right, so you got the next one. Actually, I should say before you get into this, I was a huge Ultraman fan when I was a kid. So there you go cool maybe
1: you can add some some flavor some here because i'm only yeah, sure. sort of tangentially um aware of the character that uh so we're talking about netflix releasing an official trailer for its upcoming uh ultraman computer animated series uh, it appears to follow and, and unlike what we were just talking about it's not a reboot but a follow-on to the original ultraman where the sun okay. is taking over taking on the oh, mantle okay. of uh becoming the hero who fights the kaiju the big monsters
0: yeah yeah That what they call them kaiju yeah okay because well, that, that's what they
1: call them in um what do you call it? Uh, Pacific Rim. Okay, okay. And I think it is a real Japanese word. It's just unclear to me if it's one that's been borrowed or if it was one that was associated with, like, the Godzillas of the, of the era sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because even the word Godzilla, it's it's a phonetic pronunciation of what the Japanese word for it is. And it sounds like Godzilla, which is why. But it's funny because Ultraman was actually my, my lead-in to two movies like uh, Godzilla because I, never, I, never, I saw Ultraman first. It was on TV and repeats and, you know, in the afternoons after school kind of thing right and it was this, this guy who had a you know he would fight he would basically had this this i don't know half lightsaber and he would hold it up and i don't know he'd in, in, incant some word i forget what he used to say or whatever and he would turn into this big giant guy in a foil suit He looked like like, like the uh, one of those guys the, the power rangers he looked like that right. um like a single power ranger and and he would just go and you know have wrestling matches with these these guys in rubber suits dressed as godzilla or mothra or whatever they they weren't obviously called the, the actual names of what they were, but you know, I think back then they used to recycle a lot of costumes, so that they would pretty much be the same thing, right? <laughs> right. You know, and they would just destroy the little model cities and stuff like that, and you know, the, the poor little Japanese, you know, civilians would run around and scream, and very exciting stuff. So I don't know how I ended up watching it, but it was, I and I don't remember what the attraction was, but I guess it was just wasn't the Brady Bunch or Gilligan's Island or something like that, right? So,
1: yeah, I've never actually seen any media other, and, and the only reason I was even sort of a little bit aware of it, is that one of the very, very early Super Nintendo video games was an Ultraman title, and it was just like a fighting title where you would control Ultraman and fight through the cityscape and beat up the monsters.
0: Yeah, and trash trash buildings, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: it's it's sort of,
0: to me, it's akin to, to Shazam, which we, we talked about a bit too, I think, or we will talk about in future months, but the same sort of, oh yeah, we were talking about Captain Marvel, right? But um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the same sort of thing, like it's just sort of this word that turns this transforms this person into this superhero kind of thing. Right. Um, I mean, he didn't, Ultraman didn't have any, any sort of magic powers or whatever. And it's funny because when he was a big giant guy, of course he would move in slow motion. Right. So, cause he's so huge and you know, he's talking about moving that giant mass around. Right. So, so the, all the fights with the rubber monsters were sort of slowed down a bit. Right.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Make it's it kind of like, um, lumber in the man. modern Marvel movies, you have Ant-Man when he grows large and giant, he also moves kind of slower. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That same sort of idea. Yeah. Yep. So this is coming out uh, April 1st is when the series is earmarked. Oh, so it's It's like soon. Super soon. Yeah. I was actually surprised they released a trailer this close. Normally Mm. the sort of thing they release a couple months in advance.
0: Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. Um, All right. The next story is, uh, is, this is an interesting story. So, and, and apparently um, I've got a follow-up one, which I found out today, uh, came out today, but uh, Rotten Tomatoes um, has had to turn off their comment system because there have been people going in and I, I think they might have done this they know, I know they did this with, with The Last Jedi and the, as Jonathan often says on the show there are lots of people who don't like these reboots or don't like the way things are going and so they, they go on you know, the social networks and try and talk them down and fake news them into people not going to them or disliking them or, or pretending to dislike them but apparently uh, Captain Marvel is getting a lot of um, bad reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes which are from people who haven't actually seen the movies like these reviews go in before the movie's even released so people like you know going in and trying to game game the system and, and uh, make it look like people aren't happy with uh, titles like um, Captain Marvel right so yeah yeah and another story came out of the Hollywood Reporter today saying that um, yeah a person may have to verify that they've actually seen the film before being allo- allowed to post an audience review you know I think because there's two sides to it one is the media media goes in and and says uh, whether they whether they've uh, what they think of the, the show or the movie and they think they have a different rating popcorn rating or something like that and then uh and then the, the fans go in and, and uh, vote them right yeah
1: yeah it's it's in a weird way kind of similar to like amazon product reviews where you'll see all sorts of people trying to slam stuff for whatever reason and so you'll see the verified purchase reviews of like look it's is somebody who actually put money down for this thing so at least it's a little less likely that they're um you know just some random weirdo slamming this company or like in this Case, uh however, it is they confirm, you know, maybe through like digital movie tickets or something, confirm that you've like actually, hopefully, seen the movie versus random weirdo months in advance. Ah, like, oh, terrible movie, blah blah blah. You shouldn't see it because you've got some sort of vendetta.
0: Yeah, the story is that like early in the morning on March. Well, the movie came out on March seventh, right? Uh, like it released on the third. I thought it was
1: the eighth, but I guess they probably. I don't know. what the eighth was Friday, so yeah, so it's like midnight on seventh. Yeah, so it's supposed
0: to be officially the eighth, which is which is uh, International Women's Day, right? But it, you know, here in theaters, it, it, there were openings on, on the seventh on the night before. So, like they said, like it had a thirty-two percent score uh, from with from around fifty-eight thousand viewers um, on early in the morning on March eighth, which is you know kind of before it actually re- was released. You know, yeah, um, I find it hard to believe that fifty-eight thousand reviewers who saw the movie on Thursday night would go in and review. And if they'd seen the movie, that w- that well, you haven't. Seen it yet? But I'm sure, like it, it's not it's not one of the worst um Marvel movies. It's in fact, I think I found it rather enjoyable as a standalone story alone, right? And it does tie in some loose ends on on various of the various of the uh, characters and, and storylines in in the last bunch of movies from Marvel, right? So, well,
1: so. yeah, and as far as you know, we've talked about box office and budget. uh The claimed budget is somewhere in the 152 to 175 million range uh, as of this recording, and we're recording on uh, Thursday, March 14th. Looks like worldwide it has pulled in $550 million. So if you go by the rule of thumb of two to three times budget to cover marketing and all that stuff, I think it is pretty much on its way to success, you know, profitability. So uh, it's it's no uh, Avengers Infinity War, but that's kind of not a really fair comparison to make anyways. It's, you know, part of the whole pantheon of Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Yeah, so it's good.
0: I mean, it's a good movie. I, I, it's, it's sad to see that you know people feel and uh, again because it's an all-female cast or led by female lead I think that's one of the reasons why it was getting slammed I don't know why Star Wars The uh, uh, Last Jedi would get slammed probably just because people just didn't like don't like the, the retelling of, of the Star Wars lore right so
1: I mean it also has it. a female main character too true several, so I think that plays into actually. it yeah, yeah
0: yeah well that's true it's got Ray, and it has uh, Princess Leia and it's got Admiral Hodo right who are right. the key fi- key figures in that story and they have um, um, Hodo um, Oh, Dameron is comic relief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. So I found this this post here, um, and I, I just scanned it through. I think it was on um, here. It was, but it's a retelling of the Disney princesses through the kind of careers that they project that they may have. And again, this came out very. Oh, is this is from May, from last year. Um, but yeah, so they have uh, you know um, uh, the the two char- two characters uh, from um, I don't know who they are the from from Frozen as as weather people like climate change experts, right? Um, Snow White is a leading leading psychologist because she know she's been looking after the seven dwarfs, right? They're different characters, different kind of characters. Rapunzel is a neurologist. Um, oh, Anna and Elsa, that's who the, the two are from. I guess Anna and Elsa are both from Frozen. I've not seen it. Have you, Tommy?
1: Yeah, you you may or may not recognize Anna, but you almost certainly recognize Elsa because the most right. popular character by by far.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's the one that Christian that, um, uh, Bell plays, I think.
1: Good question. I don't actually know the voice actress, but yeah. she's then, the one who has the the magic ice powers. You see little little kids oh, yeah. on Halloween running around in the costume.
0: Yeah, and then Belle Belle um, as a universe, Belle from Beauty and the Beast as the university chancellor because she just loves books, right? She wants to read all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulan as the Title uh, Nine lawyer. I don't know what Title Nine is, but
1: oh yeah, that, that's a United States thing. Yeah, so what does it's, it mean? It's uh, I don't even know if it's a law or if it's like some sort of more like regulation around universities, but it effectively requires that university spending on sports programs is equal between men's and women's programs.
0: Okay. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Pocahontas, of course, is a, as the head of an, a nonprofit focused on protecting the environment and uh, Cinderella as a uh, animal animal rights activist. <laughs> Save the pumpkins. And uh, Tiana, I don't know who
1: Tiana is she's from the princess and the frog i i recognized her face i didn't know the character's name um because i have not seen the princess and the frog i think there's a handful of movies in there that i have not seen right around that era
0: and ariel because of her connection to music ariel from the little mermaid as a pop star and record producer and mo Moana as an officer in the navy i'm not sure is that another movie i haven't seen oh the that, that's, that's a girl? more
1: modern one yeah it's the one that also has the rock as the the god uh, maui oh okay
0: right, mm-hmm. right Cool. yeah so anyway this just interesting to see the the disney princesses uh having futures in in the world of uh, careers and that kind of stuff
1: yeah and to to round it out because we went this far jasmine princess jasmine as a un ambassador aurora from sleeping beauty as coffee company ceo and merida from brave as a two-time olympian in archery and the equestrian
0: i didn't scroll far enough i saw an ad and i got scared <laughs> <laughs> All right. So apparently Orphan Black which we were just talking about at the top of the show this is a post from Jonathan is uh back in development through with AMC this time around, right? I uh, don't know if it's going to star Tatiana Maslany. Maslany. I don't know if it's going to star her. Let's see what it says here.
1: It says here not a spin-off or a reboot, but a completely new story in the same world. Interesting. So I'm maybe 5 episodes from finishing the series. I'm into season 5. Um I'm interested in what they mean by world because other than the whole you know cloning organization type thing there it's pretty much the normal real world I'm, un, I'm unclear how it's going to tie into orphan black if it's not uh, not spin-off or reboot
0: well I mean orphan the idea behind orphan black is that there are there the clones are actually projects right and uh and there's more than there's not just the the, the the male and
1: female characters there's more
0: potentially more uh, clones obviously being made right so,
1: yeah maybe that's the
0: angle they're going with through the dyad Institute which is, you know, just around the corner from where I live, actually. Um, in a sidebar here, I just noticed that uh, there's an Avengers Endgame trailer that has
1: Captain Marvel in it. Have you seen that? Is that in our notes? It is. As spoilers oh, for this okay. very episode. Oh, it will be oh, sorry. on the watch list. <laughs> we, we can talk a little bit about the trailer during that time. Sure, okay, well, we'll leave that. Forget I said anything. Just forget <laughs> I said anything.
0: All right. So, right. What if is a TV series coming to Disney? Hmm. Well, I, I know nothing about what if. What if. Do you know anything about what if?
1: Yeah. Um. There were... It's kind of hard because this is an audio medium but to visualize folks can remember that there are those old marvel comics that would say what if as the title something like what if you know thor and the avengers battled the gods or what if spider-man joined the fantastic four and it would be these Hmm. one-off stories to show alternate realities or alternate universes or even just sort of like let's think about what would happen here and sometimes they were really cool stories of like great things that could happen and sometimes it was like oh my gosh this is horrible imagine if this had happened in the you know, air quote, real Marvel universe. So I think the idea here is Disney's creating this animated animated, I think it's animated series that will be on their Disney Plus streaming service that will give them some breathing room to let's use these characters in some different ways, but without having to tie it into a larger, broader story. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny. There's one here that says, what if the X-Men died on their first mission? So I guess something turned pretty dark too, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What if Captain America hadn't
1: vanished during World War II? You know, some of these are.
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he vanish during World War II? Is that why he got frozen or something in the story?
1: Yeah. It, vaguely similar to what ended up happening in the uh, Captain America, the first Avenger movie. Um, right. But yeah, that, that's how he goes from, you know, punching Nazis to being in the modern era.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I was watching that, that movie. I haven't seen that one in a thousand years either, but um, so at the beginning, they, they find the frozen Captain Shield in, I guess, under underwater or something like that, right? But And then, then they go back to the to him, be, you know, getting transformed into Captain America. But does he get frozen at the end of the movie or something like that? I've
1: forgotten how that one ends. He was on some large airship or airplane sort of thing, fighting the Red Skull. The Red Skull gets sort of destroyed, but you know, spoilers for Avengers of anywhere. Not really by the Tesseract, and the plane had some sort of like bombs of some sort. I don't know if they were chemical weapons, uh, but some sort of really bad bad bombs that were heading towards uh, like the U.S. I don't know Washington. DC, presumably, um, and he has to, like, ditch it in the ocean, and he, you know, believes it to be a suicidal thing, but it turns out that he survives a crash by being frozen in, uh, like, Arctic ice. Hmm.
0: Interesting. All right. And Jonathan's next story here is uh, that Disney's purchase of Foxes are ready to close
1: uh, soon. It's coming up real soon. It says here, officially closing on March 20th, 2019, at 12.02 a.m. Eastern. Hmm. This next, the same day as WDC closes. Yeah. (laughs) will this will be interesting i mean i I know a lot of people still have concerns and probably reasonable ones about you know this much media power being condensed into one company but i think there's other folks who are excited that you know you can bring all of these disparate properties together um spider-man is movie rights still owned by um gosh it's probably complicated i think it's owned by sony and distributed by fox or maybe the vice versa and you know the x-men series have been off of their own world even though in their own universe even though they're marvel characters so this presumably gives a chance to bring these all together under the same under the same umbrella
0: a rotten dog again. <laughs> Something's <laughs> upset him.
1: Do <laughs> so you want to talk about the next one? Because I have no idea what it is. We, we mentioned this is a character that Jonathan was more familiar with, uh, Shang-Chi. And I think we said it was vaguely in the um, Power Man, Luke Cage, Iron Fist sort of kind of characters. And so apparently Marvel's Shang-Chi sets director Justin Daniel Creighton as the um, studio's first project starting an Asian lead. Uh, I actually don't recall. Was this a TV series? or movie
0: yeah it looks like born in the comics born in china Says the feature i guess it's a movie well from 1973's special marvel edition number 15 so you're you're asking what this this new vehicle is going to be
1: yeah because i just this article that we're looking at here doesn't give a whole lot of immediate details as to whether this is a film or a tv series but i I get the impression from enough things i'm looking at here that it's a film okay well yeah director writer
0: who knows all right well maybe jonathan Mm -hmm. can fill us in next week you can fact check us for it on this one <laughs> All right, NASA to offer lunar samples after 50 years. Yeah, I've seen little bits of foil being sold. NASA got her teams up to study unopened Apollo samples. Oh, I see. Is that what it said?
1: No, you read it as offered, but it actually is opened, opened it, to okay. open the uh, Apollo samples. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a horror movie right there, right? Like, I don't know why they're opening these damn things. Have <laughs> we watched watched enough films to realize this? Is, this is bad news. Yeah, but from the descriptions of the the, the astronauts made of of
0: the surface of the moon. when they went, It was like walking around in a big giant ashtray, right? Mm-hmm. It was just big charred nothingness. And, you know, they were searching for water and I think near the poles or maybe more signs of water,
1: but, uh, yeah. Well, that's what appeared. Dun, dun, dun. And then yeah, it's, you know, like an alien virus outbreak or spores that were too fine for the human eye to see. Yeah. There was, was a movie last, dream. last,
0: uh, last year about that, right? Where the life or something like that it was called. Yes, exactly. Like you Jellihull got that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I mean, when the astronauts first came back from the moon they threw them into quarantine because they had no idea what space boogers they would bring back right
1: no space Just viruses using the decontamination gel on each other like they did in Enterprise <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> seductively yeah, 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 rubbing yeah. each other down with this yeah. gel for yeah. our, our uh, uh, and television yeah, a trip, trip and uh, to Paul to Paul
0: yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh-huh. all right so next is well, this one's from you so there you go
1: yeah and it's right in the title so the Black Mirror Bandersnatch interactive film that Netflix put out not that long ago was such a success, guess what? They're going to do some more in that sort of vein. Interactive films. Uh, not necessarily uh, Black Mirror or Sci-Fi. They've even mentioned that maybe it was like a, a comedy or a romantic comedy type thing. So they are going to explore other uh, types of genres for the interactive film genre itself. I'm not sure what to call that. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so, and the making of the, 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 the ability to make Banner Snatch was based on the technology that Netflix had, right? Is that what we were talking about before?
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess the the whole choose your adventure book style scheme can work if you're willing to put um, time and effort into planning out, you know, alternate takes, different routes that people can take, and then having the programming chops to make this game function and work pretty seamlessly. And I don't think anybody even knew that that was coming. And they had, of course, had already released the code into um, iOS devices, Roku devices, I think probably Amazon devices, and nobody had Mm -hmm. like reverse engineers. Say, aha, look, I found this thing. So I think kudos to them for that sort of effort in going through with that.
0: Yeah. And I think you had, that was your pick for technology piece on, uh, on more Than just Code and maybe on this show too, but, and I recall you weren't available. So I had to talk about your pick.
1: <laughs> yeah. They had like a, like a conference, a conference talk, presentation
0: yeah, yeah. or something on the, you know, how the technology
1: worked and, and, and how, how they, they worked on
0: streaming and how they, they sort of wrote those story and, and it was a big blob of, of connections and stuff like that. Yeah. It sounded like if you, if you went back after studying how they put it together, it seemed, it seemed like you would ha- you'd we'd want to go back and go through it again, because there, there may have been paths that even I missed, right? Because, you know, I know I died several times and, and finally did make it to the end, and I saw, you know, at least three or four different endings, right? So, yeah, yeah. Apparently
1: was, there's ten different endings in that, apparently. Yeah, it's, it's to my mind, it was, Bandersnatch in particular was like, okay, the first time we went through, and it got better and better as I went through it time and time again and tried oh, yeah. alternate routes, so. You got further and further, yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, and next one there.
1: Um, I guess this only applies for the United States, so I apologize on this one, but if you're looking to collect streaming services, Spotify Premium has made it easier for you because now they include Hulu, uh, that would be the ad-supported plan, for no extra cost. So, I guess so if you,
0: Spotify does video now as well?
1: No, I think it's some sort of cross-promotion where Spotify Premium, if you subscribe to their premium service, includes a free subscription to Hulu's ad-supported oh, TV okay. plan.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah I guess more, more like, that I, I just i just anticipate that you know all these services are just going to end up costing as much as as cable used to cost you know by the time you get into the, all the different services you're gonna have to have to you know
1: get collect all the things as you like to say right yeah this is um yeah this is interesting because it, this one ends up being you know like an extra extra benefit for subscribing to spotify premium i'm not sure exactly what's in it for hulu uh maybe they just think that teaming up together on this sort of thing will help them fight their respective competitors like in the case mm-hmm. Spotify, Apple. Yeah. Apple Music that they're competing with, yeah. and you know, presumably soon the Apple TV service. And Hulu already has to combat Netflix, if nothing else. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this strategy works, because it, it sort of makes sense from a, you know, if you can make the pricing work out, the marginal cost of serving an additional user is so minimal. You know, the the streaming bandwidth, storage, and all these things, it's not as if they're grabbing physical DVDs and like shipping them up to you sort of thing. there's not a, a physical cost, and they can handle a whole lot of people. So, interesting to keep an eye on, on where this ends up going as the, the grand streaming and subscription services battle royale continues. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, it's funny, speaking of battle royales, we, we mentioned it yesterday
0: on More than Disco, but we didn't talk about it, but it's, it's turning turning into a bigger story, I think, in that Spotify has gone to the European Union and claimed that that Apple is, is non-competitive, or, or what, I forget the terminology for it, but they're saying that uh, Apple, because of their 30% um, uh, commission, royalty, whatever we call it, on on things sold through Apple's mechanisms, um, allows them to undercut uh, Spotify and services like that. So apparently, Spotify is challenging Apple. They, I think, they did something or something like that. S- similar happened with Google, and Google was fined some fifty million billion dollars or something like that last year. Um, I, don't quote me on. I know it was a five was in there. I don't know what the actual number was, but but apparently, Google was was um, defeated by the European Union and charged something some fine by the european union and i think spotify is trying to get apple uh into the same bit of trouble right so we'll have to see how that story develops
1: yeah and it's interesting that they chose the european union and it, it kind of makes sense So I know we have mentioned this on the More than Just Code a few times, so I'll try to recap it in like 30 seconds or less here. But the differences in what is considered anti-competitive in terms of needing or requiring government intervention differs philosophically between the United States and the European Union. So in the United States, our government tends to focus on, you know, what is the harm to consumers in terms of pricing, which gets really complicated because we're talking about an era where marginal costs are so low that services can give away stuff or affect free like there are other costs like uh, data privacy and other things but from a am i handing you money free is sort of the the name of the game and so this sort of thing sort of uh, struggles to get off the ground from a regulatory perspective but the european union views this sort of thing from the is there harm from the lens of is there enough competition and so in this case it 100 makes sense to me that spotify would go after apple in the european union where um, trying to prove the harm to consumers based on lack of competition is probably a lot easier than some elusive well what happens to pricing because of this 30% app store cut it, it's it's a lot more convoluted so it, it makes sense that they would do it in the EU
0: right right yeah, well, so this next piece is just a quick tweet um, and I, this is more for Jonathan's benefit maybe for yours I guess but Got Pilgrim is a, a comic book story that takes place in Toronto and, and they make no bones about it when they made the movie here um, when Edgar, R- Edgar Wright made his movie here Got Pilgrim vs. the World um, he made he didn't hide the fact that it was actually filmed in Toronto because that's part of the, part of the story that I think the author is from here somewhere and, and uh, as well. But so it turns out that Scott Pilgrim, according to this tweet, is becoming a more important movie as time goes by. Uh, this is from the tweet by Julia Alexander that I'm quoting here um, because you know Scott Pilgrim fought uh, Superman, he fought Captain America, and he dated Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I can't believe that <laughs> that all these Characters were in, all these actors were in that movie. I did. Yeah, yeah. It's been, what, like eight, maybe nine years since the movie came out? Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah. Wow. But yeah, so and help me with the names here. So we've got, um hey, remember his name now? The guy who plays Scott Pilgrim, Michael Sarah, right? Yeah, Michael Sarah. Canada's own Michael Sarah. And then we have Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, or not Carp Captain, but she plays his girlfriend, leader of a band in this. And then uh, Superman is um what's Brandon
1: routh is that one. I Brandon Brandon Superman.
0: And, and mm-hmm. then, of course, we have. Uh, Captain America, and The Flash at some point, I think, passed, right? No, Flame from, um, wasn't he one of the the Fantastic Four?
1: Oh, Chris Evans? Yeah, he was also one of, he was um, the Human Torch. Right, yes. In the Jessica Alba Fantastic Four. Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of cool. I just thought it was an interesting interesting tweet, so I thought I would include it here. All right, so we come to the moment of truth. We're talking about Star Trek Discovery, which is the reason why we've all gathered here today. Season 2, Episode 9, Project Daedalus. So, technically, you know, it was Time is turned last week. I've got my notes here, and he's got his notes here. And of course, this week my notes aren't scrambled. Thank you very much, Apple. Um, yeah, I did figure out what happened with my notes last week, but but I had to abandon my recap. So why don't you uh, why don't you lead in, and I'll I'll chime in on uh, various points to round out your conversation.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll just read some of my notes uh, sort of as is because I the the conceit here is I wrote them as like what is sort of the funniest take on this because it helps sure. me remember what I just saw. Right. So okay. It starts out pretty pretty straightforward that uh admiral cornwell uh, comes on board the discovery the the fugitive discovery that interrogates spock and give him a lie detector test and and see you know what what happened you know he he seems to believe that he didn't kill people, but I, here I have this video here that, that clearly shows him killing people and escaping the uh, mental institution that he had committed himself to.
0: Sure. And, and she comes in undercover too, which is kind of a uh, thing to point out too, right? Um, and yeah, she uh, when Burnham defends Spock saying that, uh, or maybe I'm skipping ahead.
1: I think it's around it's around that time. Um that that you're talking about like, you know, you know it's Pike and Cornwell and Burnham are talking about like, well, what do we think really happened here?
0: Yeah, and you're saying, well, you're saying that you're only saying that because you're you're his sister, and of course Bach has this great comeback line, he says, Not by blood, you know. When, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> given the estrangement that they that they showed us in the Telosian um, yeah. uh you know, mind reading thing that we saw last episode.
0: Yeah, and she also so you know, of course, um uh Pike sort of gives her gives Burnham the director to go and figure out who the Red Angel is. And, and she says, and I'll prove that Tyler's innocent at the same time. So, Which we kind of get to at the end. But anyway, carry on with
1: your recap. What's yeah, spe- speaking of Tyler being real suspicious in the eyes of the Discovery crew, they're wondering, you know, who the heck sent all this data, these signals to this weird location where nothing's there. And they say, oh, well, actually, there's a, an abandoned penal colony there. And whoops, well, turns out it's also the base for Section 31. So ah, sure. that's where the data went to. And even if we don't know who sent it yet.
0: Sure. That's 74 Mark 5, 6, according to Tilly. Um, yeah. And it's funny that we're talking about uh, penal colleges because last, I think the last episode were two, last two, two episodes, we were talking about Dagger of the Mind, which is also takes place on the penal colony. Yeah, I thought there would be some tie in there for sure, but, but uh, I was disappointed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not this case. It wasn't like last week where they did the, you know, last time with Discovery that recaps what ended up happening in, was it the cage or the uh, menagerie? I forget what the relationship there, but they, they definitely well, showed the school guy that
0: passed away was, was the, in Dagger the Dagger to the mind and we were talking about um uh what we're, t- we're, t- we're talking about how how um oh they were gonna they were gonna uh, pull apart spock's brain on section 31 and i thought that was similar to the machine that they use in dagger of the mind to pull apart uh kirk's brain oh okay like, okay he, they sit him in this chair and they have this like scanner thing that's supposed to you know rehabilitate him and doing air quotes right What mm-hmm. it ends up because it's now in, a, in the hands of a madman it's, it's slicing up their brains and making them even more mad you know
1: yeah and then the next uh, scene we see is we follow um, Lieutenant Commander Arium, the cybernetically enhanced human, who is, uh, I put here that she's deleting photos she doesn't want anymore. She only has 16 gigs of storage right. space. Yep. They, they skimped out when they when they enhanced her. Um, sure. Well, she, and she was apparently, she was in a in some sort of
0: uh, shuttle accident, I believe. She was traveling back with her, her husband after eloping. And, uh, yeah. So, she, yeah, she says she can't keep all the memories, but she keeps like memories of Tilly and a few other people, right?
1: Yeah, and, and Detmer and oh, well, they, they seem to have had fun times together as friends um you know off working hours and and you're right they do show the memory of when she was pre-enhancement and getting married or yes i guess recently married and supposed to go on a shuttle going home and they sort of heavily imply that bad things happen uh to her husband and to her and that's presumably why she's uh cybernetically enhanced and they yeah i don't think they ever outright state but they definitely heavily hint that he's dead like she says on the way back to the, to the after like that was the last day together
0: and then next day mm. her shot was- shuttle went on the way back home went down so now she's like the robocop of of star starfleet right
1: yeah they they hint that he's dead but i don't think they ever explicitly state so he could hypothetically come up in the future i suppose hmm. um, well she's kind of well spoilers yeah spoilers <laughs> for the rest of this episode but yeah this this was the we're gonna <laughs> we're, we're yeah. gonna you know make this into a tearjerker for you by making you uh have feelings fur, for this, yes, this character uh, so continuing on here, we have uh, Stamets examining the spore driver failure and, and trying to figure out what's going on there. And Burnham and Spock are trying to figure out the reason, like why did the red angel appear to him in particular and give him this, uh, all these visions of doom. And, and why did they, why did it come to help him save Michael Burnham? And,
0: uh, yeah, and why, why, why did it choose Spock? That's the other part they can't figure out, right? Or Spock can't figure out.
1: Yeah. Why him specifically, since he's as far as he can tell, and, you know, not specifically unique uh, and kind of the others, storyline is that um, Ariam and Tilly, uh, they, well, they talk about this uh, shuttle accident that we mentioned um, and also about the fact that uh, Tilly says, hey, since you're a robot, uh, you can help us crack this encryption um, from this information that we were trying to, to deal with.
0: And that's when she tells her she's not a robot. She's it's cybernetically augmented.
1: Right, right. So she, <laughs> the, using the robot like as if she was um, uh, Dr. Zoidberg from Futurama. <laughs> it was kind of a weird <laughs> pronunciation, but I, you know, it might arguably be someone offensive to be like, no, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a human being here. I just have a lot of machine pieces on me. And speaking of those machine pieces, oh no, uh, Arium needs some antivirus because as we saw a couple episodes ago, she was uh, she was hacked into and being controlled through her uh, augmentations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a scene where Michael Burnham challenges Spock to 3D chess to sort of sort out some of their, their feelings about their fractured relationship and they mm-hmm. uh, sort of end up getting real emotional and, and yelling at each other and, and feeling really hurt about the situations and uh, each of them is carrying baggage that is completely irrational for them to have and and spock states a lot of things that that sound like slams but are kind of like well you could you couldn't possibly have caused your parents death and you couldn't possibly have known uh, or done anything about these other things so it's it's crazy that you you hang on to this pain as if it was your fault
0: yeah and it's interesting so this is the second time that the that and i've talked about this before that they always sort of have some sort of thing that doesn't seem to make sense like she says to him you know We'll place. We'll play, we'll play uh, um, chess because you know using logic will enforce your, you know, strengthen your brain and all that kind of stuff. And and yet the playing of the game comes important in la- later on in the show, right? So in the same way that you know where I talked about it on a couple of episodes ago, where they use the mag a magnet to open a, a door lock, and then they end up using a magnet magnetism to uh, pull these bombs away from or the, the asteroids away from the planet. And that uh one where they discover the people who were uh, saved by the the the, um, Red Angel, right, on that episode? Mm-hmm. So in this year, you know, the, the chess game, even though they're playing chess, it does become an important uh, um, catalyst to help Burnham figure out something later on. Um, it, they bounce around a couple back and forth, too. There's, I don't know if you have a note here, but I don't see it about um, Nan, who we we get a little bit more, um, what do you call it, uh, what's Jonathan, the word he uses when he talks about expl- like learning more about the
1: character? We uh, get more and more flavor about who this character is, her species and why she has the the, uh, the big, you know, like mouth braces-looking sort yeah. of thing on her face. Apparently, to help
0: her, to help her breathe. But it's funny because because Nan has noticed that Ariam is doing some odd things, and she sort of seems to be keeping an eye on her throughout the whole episode, right? Because she asks her outright, "What are you doing?" Right mm-hmm. um, at that point. And then this, is, this is so that you know, we go, we, we see Spock and Burnham start talk about playing chess, and then we swi- switches back to to Nan and uh, and Ariem having this interchange, which again plays. It's like foreshadowing for later on in the episode too. Um, and then they go back to Spock, and, and Spock has this little, his little table flip. I don't know if you got that covered there.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of in the you know, challenges Spock to 3D chess, and this is around the time that the Discovery gets to the Section 31 base. But well, it's- just
0: before that, Spock freaks out and and, and actually table flips the whole chessboard. Says, I you know, I love expressing expressing my mo- emotions. He says, which is you know, for those of us who've known Spock our entire lives, this is not a Spock type behavior, right?
1: Right, but it also is something that predates where where he was when he's shown in the original series. And it kind of seems like he's encountering all these things that are going to force him down the route of committing to pure logic and being less um, conflicted between his human and his Vulcan natures. Um, plus, he also had his mind, you know, largely unraveled by what had happened to him. So I give him a little bit of slack for, you know, being a little under the weather. Yeah. So then the Discovery shows up to the Section 31 base and it's surrounded by um, these protective mines that we learn are apparently not a federation origin but it's also still not allowed for the federation you know from its own rules to use these sorts of mines uh presumably because it's super dangerous
0: now of course my autocorrect has fixed my my typing which i really appreciate were they, were they called the black box mines or something
1: like that they, they basically deceive
0: sensors apparently that's what they do you remember the terminology they used in the show
1: i don't remember the terminology and, and what i wrote here is that the discovery starts playing a game of minesweeper yeah trying yeah. to make its way <laughs> through the uh, specific path of the admiral is aware of to get through the mines it sure, um, doesn't, doesn't work for some reason right 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 and when they start getting cut up and the mines start blowing up on the discovery hull, this is around the time that Ariam is doing her dropbox syncing and is downloading yeah. all this information uh, from the discovery database if so we find out what that is later in the episode um, but she takes advantage of this particular situation to not have the attention uh, so much on her and get chance to do that
0: and um, at and, uh, one point there so back um, when the when the when it doesn't work, the mines start cha- cha- attacking the the enterprise. They're told to go in with their shields down, right? Because the shields apparently attract the, the mines. But all of a sudden, the mines start attacking the ship as if they've been somehow told, doing your quotes, that that they're coming, right? And uh, so um, Captain Pike says uh, goes on the comm saying, "Prepare for a bumpy ride." Right? And, they, and they start getting chewed up by all these uh, these mines,
1: right? Right? And the, you know they have some fun there. And this is the game thing that you were saying that oh right yeah the, he says. She, he says important. to her
0: this is not a game and she says wait a minute what if it is right and so they start throwing random um, evasive maneuvers he just throws to like one of the people on the on the, on the the bridge to give all out you know one of the, the, the evasive maneuvers they've studied in like football plays right that they've studied in the academy and uh, so they, they kind of they start to throw randomization and chaos into the mix right mm-hmm. to try and defeat these minds or fool them or keep them at bay long enough right right
1: right um, and so at some point you know they get through this and um, they end up in contact with Admiral Patar, who uh, we discover is a not only a member of the Section Thirty-One crew but a Vulcan logic extremist. So uh, everybody's kind of twitchy about sort of what their um, their motivations are.
0: Uh, and they don't like Spock and Sarek, right? If I remember, that was part of the challenge of Burnham growing up with them as well, right? The logic extremists were always
1: after Sarek, right? Right. And the the reason that Discovery is unable to get a hold of Starfleet Command in order to you know get Section Thirty-One to back off here is, uh, is because they have been ordered by starfleet command to attack the discovery right right as it all turns out so that during the past i don't know two or three episodes they've mentioned this thing called control which is apparently this mm-hmm. large computer system that is being used to analyze and provide tactical type information but as admiral cordwell says it's like well it's supposed to guide us but we still use you know our own gut and intuition and personal feeling and logic to make the final decisions but uh admiral cordwell had been cut off you know had her access cut off from control, so she didn't they even know. Changed her password, cut. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they reset her password, she doesn't know what it is now, and that's why they sort of like, All right, we got to get there physically inside the facility and add access back they on the screen. You couldn't there, just
0: so. call help desk, you don't think, <laughs>
1: right? This is why you always use a password manager. One password will prevent exactly. you from losing access to, the, to the large X- tactical X- machine. Broadcast.
0: brought to you by One Password, not really, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so they, they do an away mission with Burnham, uh, Arium, and and I forget, what did you, what did you say non, the other crew? Naan. Naan, thank you. N-A-N-A. It's so like, it spelled like naan, uh, the, the Indian food.
0: N-H-A-N, which is very close to how you say naan, which is the Indian bread. Uh
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a that's a pretty good way of remembering it. I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, they go on there, they discover that it's like really messed up gravity, life support aren't working. They have to go in their um, EV suits to to survive down there. They get the gravity and stuff turned back on, life support turned back on. It's like all these frozen bodies.
0: Now you forgot to mention it was an all ladies away mission. I think that's a first in Star Trek. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that is. I think that is and, true. And I non- can't think of was wearing other... red. Keep that in mind, folks. <laughs> right, just just teasing us with the the red shirt nature from from TOS. Um, yeah. So uh, I think this is somewhere around this time when they have discovered the dead bodies that have yeah. been dead for two weeks. And oh, by the way, Admiral Patar is one of these dead bodies. So they stole that from the expansion. That's, by
0: the way i just want to point out the dead bodies floating in space they stole that from the expanse
1: oh really just like floating in a oh yeah a space floating station dead bodies yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and this is around the time that i think saru is like oh yeah this this totally makes sense um you know seeing as as he does he's like how come when the admiral got mad he didn't seem to like raise her body temperature at all and, right there were no sense yeah spock supposedly fighting and murdering all these dudes and yet You know, he doesn't appear to have body temperature, you know, changes. And it turns out... Why is that, Jaime? Why is that? It turns out that Control, the computer system, has been creating deep fakes of Spock and deep fakes of Admiral Vitar. And that's who they were talking to. And that's how it was... Um, framing Spock to make it seem like as if he had done more than just sort of escape from a facility. Right, right. Yeah, and we also learned that uh, from Tilly that Lieutenant Commander Arium had downloaded all of her memories onto the Discovery to make enough storage space in her head um, because she needed to make space for the the sphere, if you remember that from a few episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Like, all that knowledge, um, I guess a large chunk of it had been sent as a signal over to control, uh, but it needed the final piece well, so apparently apparently,
0: um, what it was, it, it only cop- it, she only had space in her head for all of the information on artificial intelligence. That's what she was getting from the, the knowledge of the sphere. Right, right. And the control
1: computer wanted that so that it could become conscious.
0: So it become, could become Skynet. Right,
1: right. And so we end up having a Arium battle angel moment here where she gets okay. fully, fully controlled by, uh, or at least her augments, fully controlled by uh, the computer virus that we'd mentioned before. And so she um, pulls the breathing app is off of none, and she starts fighting and beating the crap out of michael burnham uh eventually yeah. you know they they end up tra- uh, burnham ends up trapping her inside of this particular uh, little airlock room and that's where tilly is able to make some human connection to her and, and send her some of the the memories that she had left behind of you know having fun with the crew and uh being with her husband and stuff and that brings her back enough to be like yo uh that wasn't me i was being my body was being controlled but i also know that i'm going to lose this battle uh yeah, like I can't fight the mechanical pieces, so you got to kill me. You have to send me out of this airlock. Yeah,
0: because if if I get, I'm going to get through this door, I'm going to kill you, Burnham. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to kill everybody on Discovery, and and let's start the whole you know anti-human, anti sentient life you know defeat, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which which what Red Angel's been been explaining to people about, right?
1: Right, right. And she says, you know, uh, you need to find Project Daedalus.
0: Well, they start. Everybody starts ordering Burnham to to open the airlock, like. Pike gives her the order, and she says, "I can't, I can't. You know, I don't want to disobey your order, but I can't do it." And and uh, Spock even says to her, "Open the open the pod bay door, Hal. You know, <laughs> open open the airlock. You know, l- l- eject uh, eject." So so Aram's telling her, Pike's telling her, everybody's telling her to to eject this person, and she just can't do it. And at the last moment, who opens the the airlock door, I may?
1: It was uh, Nan who ends up uh, coming back. Yeah, she she manages
0: to grab her uh, her breathing apparatus. I thought she passed out at one point because she, she stopped breathing, right? guess yeah, she tried to get back to her breathing apparatus.
1: Yeah, yeah. She was, like, trying to get there and, like, not making it. Um, and she was she very clearly a, wearing a red shirt at that point. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe she found a, a burst of adrenaline or something, given... Uh, yeah, exactly. What did they say Barzan? Is that her, her species name? Barzan? Barzan? Something? Uh, yes, Barzan. B-A-R-Z-A-N. Yep.
0: So they, they send Ariam out there and... And what's the last thing she says as she goes through the airlock door?
1: I just saw this episode. I don't remember precisely which is Find Project Daedalus. Oh yeah, you must, yeah. I, you must I said find that. Bro- yeah, oh, yeah. I guess I didn't say that those were her final words. But yeah, yeah. She needed to find Project Daedalus. Um so now um, you
0: got you've written down here Terminator two Terminator two style shutdown. What does that mean?
1: So as we see the camera and and uh, Ariam is sort of floating out there dying. She's reviewing oh, right, yeah. the oh. Robocop style reviewing the video of uh, she and her husband. You know, talking about getting married and, and going to take a shuttle home. And then you see the, the computer systems say critical failure and shutting down and then bzzz, yeah first person like TV going perspective out. kind of thing yeah
0: yeah cool oh you did put you did put you put daedalus in here okay I, was, I looked that up after the show as well
1: yeah i had to look it up because i said the name is so familiar um yeah in greek mythology daedalus daedalus I'm not sure how that's pronounced uh was the craftsman and father of icarus and they were oh was the he ones he? Okay. Used, used the the wings to escape from was it the maze? gravity okay yeah he's yeah, also he's also the father of
0: carpentry as well and uh something else Nothing else in the Wikipedia. But, um, but it's interesting, too, that they, Project Daedalus, because it was a game, computer game I used to play on the Mac years ago, and it was like a first person mystery. Saw, it was sort of like. It, after, after Mist. Do you remember Mist? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you don't remember Mist because you weren't a Mac guy back then. Yeah, Mist never. and Riven. Yeah. So it was the same sort of thing where you had, but you had this, you were following this guy's notes and, and uh, you were actually playing him and he had this suit that he could wear and, and bounce through time. And and Project Daedalus was, I think I was playing the second version of or the second iteration of it, which is really still very good. And uh, I'm pretty sure Project Daedalus was, was something mentioned in that as well, right? So I think it comes up in sort of Leonardo da Vinci kind of stuff as well, right? About building with your hands I guess, right?
1: Yeah, so that was the the Wikipedia injury for Daedalus. And then I also looked up Project Daedalus. And apparently, according to Wikipedia here, this was a study conducted between 1973 and 1978 by the British Interplanetary Society to see if they could design a plausible unmanned interstellar spacecraft. Oh, wow. Yeah, so all these things seem like real features features V'ger. coming back. Right. <laughs> the, 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 um, the Red Angel is, is Viger teaming up with Zora from the future Discovery. Sorry? Is the Red Angel Arium? Ooh. Ooh, Ooh. that's an interesting idea because in the handful of episodes leading up to this, we've learned that it is a humanoid uh, believed to be human by Spock based on mind meld that is in, um, like, some sort of suit technological suit and i think they believe it to be female to, or at least to, to my eye it certainly looks like a female body um so could it be arium that would be fascinating we'd
0: have her memories though right so
1: for the one about tilly, <laughs> <The> tilly <laughs> yeah yeah that would be pretty mind but yeah there's so many theories some um some more serious than others you know some say you know maybe it's burnham some yeah, say okay. what if it's larka <laughs> you know more hilariously like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. just about every character you know it could be culver you know there's there's like a million different um, theories that I've seen out there. Mm, interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I don't know if you've ever seen, Well, uh, so you've, you've seen 2001 Space Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. And you've, you've probably seen, well, you know, there's Truth 2010, which is the next book that, that uh, I, or, sorry, Arthur C. Clark came back and wrote a sequel called uh, 2010, which is, which is about the, the one that they made a movie out of. Right. But see, he also made a, a sequel call or wrote a sequel book called 3001: Space Odyssey. And you remember Frank, um, I forgot his name now, Frank, the, the other astronaut in 2001 that gets that gets lost in space. You know, Dave goes out to save him, mm-hmm. and get his body, and, and he forgets to take his helmet, and has to you know back up to, the, to the, discovery, the Discovery, which is the name of the ship, right? And he has to blow through the, the blast doors to get to open the how won't open the doors, and he uses eject explosive bolts to open the doors, mm-hmm. right? Well, anyway, he can't. He loses Frank in in space, right? So Frank goes off and freezes, right? So in the year 3001, they find Frank floating around in space. Space. And they thaw him out, and he wakes up, and he's like, you know, a thousand years in the future, and he's like learning all about
1: society and where it is these days, right? Oh wow, I'm, I'm not familiar at all with 2010 or 3001, but that's <laughs> that. That would be a very interesting tie-in. If that's no, we'll we'll, we'll mark you down for the uh, lieutenant commander The area and area Rage
0: theory. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, we've learned through Star Trek lore that you put technology and fling it out to space long enough, and eventually it becomes powerful. And sentient, right? Like, we saw that with the Voyager became V'ger and we also saw it in one of the short treks this year that the Discovery's computer system be- eventually became sentient. Right, uh, right. Uh, right. Called itself Zora or Zara. I forget what he, what he referred oh, to yeah, itself. Maybe, that, maybe that's a tie into the
0: sp- knowledge of the sphere.
1: Could be, you know, it had all that data that it was sitting there processing for, yeah, um, sure. you know, thousand years or whatever well, it what is. what was Tilly trying crashes. to
0: decrypt? She was trying to decrypt the messages that were going out or what was she trying
1: to decrypt? You know, I have to go back to the episode and think it was either... The the messages that were going out or it was the um, like the logs of information that were being stolen by the probe I can't remember exactly which thing oh, they said that they right. were trying yeah, to decrypt yeah.
0: well it was interesting too we didn't talk about this but um, there was a point there where Arim, he's a, she asked Arium to help decrypt it because obviously Arium is much better at this like data she's very good at this kind of thing right and uh, Tilly asks so she goes and stands beside uh, beside the computer and Arium says to Tilly don't leave me like stay here with me while I work on this and don't leave, right? And then, it, then of course, you know, the gets the three lights in her eyes thing and, and she says, okay, go away now. And, and Tilly's like, what? You just told me to stay here, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's sort of... Uh, so it's funny because it, uh, if you watch the episode, Non kept wa- kept looking at Ariam as if she was going to go, you know, I it's you. I've, I've discovered you. I've been watching you all afternoon and blah, blah, blah. But she doesn't, right? Although, mind you, she, she's, she does manage to push the button for the airlock, right? Um, but, yeah, if you watch it... it, it like I I just made notice of the fact that she kept walking around and looking at Arium kinda of suspiciously, like mind you she looks kinda of suspicious all the time anyway, that character, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's kind of a like a, a resting, suspicious face.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bad makeup job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so a, a good episode again. I mean another another interesting, really interesting um, you know, I could I could see watching this one again in, you know, 10, 15 years and, and enjoying it, right?
1: Yeah, it's an, a nice episode episode that moves along the story we start learning more about this you know season-long story arc mystery Mm -hmm. we get to see more of spock when he's you know exposition that's the word i was looking for exposition but we also have a nice little contained bottle episode for this particular character's story arc for
0: yeah well i I mean it becomes sort of exposition of, of her and 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 her you know her sort of how she came to be and all that kind of stuff and also interesting for me in that that i wondered why sarah millich had been Moved out of that role, right? And it maybe maybe it was that they decided they want to keep her for, for future reference or for future roles because this character now is now essentially dead for all we know, right? Um, which means the actress is going to leave the show, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, uh, other than coming back on without the makeup on, she's not really going to have a role per se, right? She could do, she could be like Majel Barrett and come back as the head nurse or something, but, um, you know, <laughs> or number one or number two. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, like we were kind of wondering, Jonathan and I, why they why they moved um, Sarah Millican out of this role which she played in the first series, right? So, or or do you think it's because they do, do the writers really have a long arc um, for the show, or are they just sort of making it up as they go along? And like they kind of they kind of did the Emperor, you know, alternate universe story for last year last season with Lorca and Emperor Giorgio, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then they decided, well, if we're gonna get picked up for second season, what's right? What the arc for the second season is gonna be? And then they'll probably do the same thing for the third season, right? Because they can't they they kind of sort have to they have to wrap up this story this story arc you know within the season right and they'll probably have some sort of uh cliffhanger or or, or spinoff that's going to lead us into the next you know into season three right to keep us have us keep coming back right
1: yeah i, I think it'll be just like season one where you'll get you know, a satisfying ending to the season and then you know dun 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 the, the teaser for the next adventure that they'll have
0: yeah because i mean the teaser at the end of, of the first season was this whole section 31 thing that that George who's going to go off and join, you know, um,
1: in the Enterprise appearing. Yeah, we
0: haven't, we haven't, we haven't come back to the Klingons yet because we, we've, you know, we we, talk, we looked at um, what's her name, Lorel. Yep, Lorel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked to her, we looked at her for a couple of episodes, but she hasn't been back yet. I, mean, I wonder if she's going to come back in the last couple of episodes. Maybe that'll spin off into the story for next year. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, because they're definitely not using the Vulcans in this this line, or sorry, the the Klingons in this this story arc. It w- yeah, so we didn't. I don't think we quite covered that that um, uh, Admiral Pitar. Is not actually alive anymore. It was. Uh, we, I know mean, you mentioned that was. It was, co- it was uh, control creating a, a Tupac Shakur for for. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they brought back uh, Admiral Pitar for Coachella, right? And uh, cause she's she's a hologram now, so clearly she, that character is now dead too, right? So because they can't bring her back, right? That's true. That's true. You know, and there was also the te- there was a Tellarite um, Admiral in the last episode. There was four four um, admirals um, chastising uh, Pike at the beginning of last episode, right?
1: yeah i think it was a group of like four yeah. possibly five but definitely well,
0: admiral four. Pitar was the center one doing most of the talking right holding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. him about his what he'd been, and, you know go take take uh find spock and take him to act, uh, section 32 31 37 31 whatever <laughs> 30 something um
1: yeah all around good show it was and i guess one thing that maybe i sort of hand waved over was last yes last episode we learned that you know, michael burnham felt that um as a kid that she wanted to get away because she thought that the Vulcan an extremist extremists right. we're going to target, you know, Sarek and Spock and Amanda because, you know, oh, you know, they, they hate anybody who's, like, not Vulcan.
0: Harboring this like, human, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm sure it didn't help, but, hey, like, I'm this monster. I'm this half-breed in their eyes. Like, I'm an abomination. Like, clearly they were going to come attack me anyways because I'm way worse than you are. So sort of the, the difference of opinions and the emotional baggage these children are carrying and blaming themselves for.
0: Okay, cool. But, so, hey, listen, before we get to the watch list which we'll do real quick, but, um, oh yeah, this is where the spoiler came in. Can you, Jonathan wanted to have you tell us your impressions, you know, maybe in 10 minutes or so of the, uh, Orville identity part one and part two, because we, we basically used a flamethrower at it last week.
1: Yeah. uh I mean, I come into it clearly with a difference of opinion from you guys, and that's okay. Uh, it, it's the Orville that is, is something that I've enjoyed. Um, you know, probably not as much as Discovery. Like if I, you know, if, if it was me and Discovery and the Orville and we're on, you know, trying to get on the life raft and only one of them can come with me, you know, okay, I, I think I'm bringing Discovery with me. Right. Um, but I've still enjoyed it enough over the past couple seasons. Uh, this season in particular, they've set up a lot of things uh, that have been progressively paying off leading up to uh, Identity uh, Part 1 and 2 the um, past couple of weeks. uh, A two-parter thing revolving around uh, the character of Isaac and his relationship with his people, the Kalon, as well as his relationship with uh, Dr. Finn and her children. And a lot of people online have been referring to it as like, this is when the Orville grew its beard, referencing the, you know, this is the equivalent of Commander Riker growing his beard in like the second or third season and this is when the show got a whole lot better. Um, I do think those were we're better episodes than normal uh, Orville episodes. That's not to say that they were wholly unique. I think you could probably easily point to a lot of different things that it's similar to. Um, I think I kind of felt like, oh, yeah, I think Isaac will against his people in some way and, and help save the day uh, but there were nice moments like uh, Yafit getting his turn at being heroic um, and they needed the help of the youngest of dr uh, dr Finn's kids to do that and the Orville even pays off in the subsequent episode of like oh yeah they follow up with the fact that Yafit is getting this Medal of Honor for bravery right. sort of thing right yeah so they stitch enough things together where it's it's like old-school episodic television with a little bit more serialization than you would normally have in like a TNG Voyager. It's it's closer to Deep Space Nine in terms of serialization. Um, you guys might not have liked the uh, the flying squids or flying uh, hip bones. Uh, it was very chaotic, but I think it was meant to be a very different kind of battle scene. It's more uh, Star Wars-y than it is Star Trek-y in mm-hmm. terms of its... In fact, it might even be more like Babylon 5-y um, now that I think about it, with like just chaos and fighters and stuff's blowing up everywhere, and it's probably kind of hard to follow what's going on because it's um, more 3D space Things going on versus the store, uh, Star Trek level of like these are large capital ships fighting each other like as if they're on the open waters or sort of thing so uh i'm okay with that I, i'm okay with the, the ship designs because i sort of appreciate their uh their inspiration from combining star trek and i believe andromeda um mm, right. design philosophies together mm-hmm. uh both derivative but still creating something new both white and gene rod yes yes that is true um but yeah like <laughs> i have not listened to last week's episode so i'm not sure <laughs> what the flame flower was all about but if that series of episodes didn't convince you guys. I don't think you will ever be convinced. And again, that's okay. Some people like different things. I never got into Farscape. I know there's tons of people who did. Yeah, That's yeah. okay. Well, I can
0: tell you that that um, I'm calling it had Bill Mooney from, from Lost in Space on it. Uh, but the um, it wasn't so much a flamethrower. It was just that uh, we, we both, we both agreed this is probably the best two-parter or uh, the best two-parter. It's the best two-parter of the Orville's done so far. No. Um, it was the best two episodes of, of the season so far, for sure. Um, there were some implausibility in there, but uh, but um, but I, I didn't like the fact that it's it, it tied it up nicely in a bow at the end, so next week, you know, uh, Isaac will be sitting at the science station as if nothing ever happened, you know? Um, whereas in Star Trek, they would have thrown him in the brig, or he would he would have gone and, you know, started a drinking problem or something, you know? Like, like he wouldn't have been allowed to just return to his post, as it were, which I think he kind of sort of does in the next episode, right? Um, I can't remember if he does or doesn't, but you know what I mean? Like, right. it's kind of like Ed, Ed is like, oh, well, forgiven, you know, and, you know, like, and, and, you know, it says to the, to the Admiral, can we keep them? Can we keep them? You know, and the Admiral's like, well, as long as you wash them and walk them and feed them and clean up after them, you know?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely got that level of, of of cheese to it that's kind of where the Orville has sort of lived at its level. That yeah, cheese. I think that's, that's the cheese drive is what they use, yeah. But you're right, because let's contrast that to... Um, so I just watched these back-to-back, so this is probably last week's episode, so I apologize. Yeah, I did as well. I did as well, yeah. But uh, let's compare that with people who were wondering, like, hey, Ash Tyler's on the same damn ship as Dr. Culver. How's that going to work? Are they going right, like, to right. have high fives and... <laughs> go on adventures in the general league as buddies like what's, what's going to happen and oh it turns out cobra's really really angry about that whole situation he goes and fights tyler over this all right so it, uh discovery handled that a whole lot differently than the orville did so no doubt yeah
0: yeah Oh well, yeah, you know, something we forgot to mention in, in the star trek stuff was was the fact that a couple of times in the episode everything points back to burnham because at one point when spock is having his table flipping moment he says to her you know you perhaps you lack faith in your own Abilities and that you know, um, you know, the, he tells her at one point that that the death of her parents wasn't her fault. Like, what could you do? You were behind a locked door, and nothing you could have done anyway, right? Um, but at the end, there, just before Arion goes out the door or out the airlock, she says, "This is all because of you, Burnham. You know, kind of you started the Vulcan War. You started, or the, sorry, not the Vulcan War. You started the Klingon War. You know, you mm-hmm. started this whole mess. You know, by 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 being the mutineer and all that kind of thing, right? so just thought, yeah, that, just thought I'd throw that in there at the end to mess you up.
1: Yeah, no. It, it's it's actually a, a case where I like uh, Sinequa Martin Green better when they give her opportunity to do more emotional range. Um, I don't think Burnham has been my favorite character on Discovery, and I think part of that is her cold and aloofness, logicness. That we have said like, oh, story wise, it totally makes sense, right? She was uh, traumatized and then lived in a Vulcan household where they said, hey, just just take all those bad problems and like swallow them, just bottle them up for fifty years and then explode. <laughs> Um in, in this episode where she had more emotional uh, outbursts with Spock and with Ariam as she's panicked, you know, and crying and trying to like save somebody. Um, I like that better. Uh, I, I totally get why she needs to be sort of the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld of this series where she's the main character and everybody else around her is kind of more interesting, but she's the glue that brings it all together. Totally makes sense. But I can also understand why uh, a fair number of folks online are like kind of meh on, on uh, Michael Burnham as a Character and I think a lot of people have pointed incorrectly to it being Sidney Martin Green, and I think it's more the material and the context well, I that don't she's know, working. You know,
0: it's funny. It's funny you say that because I don't know if you watched her on on The Walking Dead. Because I was I was going to almost agree with those people because she was pretty stoic on on The Walking Dead too, right? Like you know, she and her brother mm-hmm. showed up and you know the third or fourth season in, and they, she was on for you know a couple of seasons, three maybe three seasons. Um, and she was always sort of she never flew off the handle. She I mean she had some emotional scenes. But she never freaked out. She never flipped tables. You know, she wasn't that kind of no no real emotional outbursts kind of kind of thing that I can remember compared to mm-hmm. other characters on The Walking Dead, for instance, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, so she this this character she's playing in 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 Star Trek is not that much of a stretch from the character she was playing in in Walking Dead. So and again, so that, so is that Chynnaire Martin Green, or is she being typecast into that role? I'd, I'd want to see her in other maybe go find some movies on Netflix or whatever that she's been in before. Just to see what what kind
1: of an actor she is all around, right? Yeah, that, that's a very good point. That that it could be a not a lack of range, it could be um, a tight type, ca- type casting sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't like, know because I was not familiar with her before she was cast. Uh, I've not seen her on The Walking Dead, so you're right. We have to go like do some research somewhere and see what's, yeah, what's going
0: yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, like when when I first heard that she was going to be the the star of the of Discovery, I didn't go, oh wow, that's going to be amazing. Like if it was Maggie, I would say yeah. Or if it was Carol from The Walking Dead, I would have said yeah. Those two characters, as as the female characters, were were quite strong, you know. Uh, strong, I mean, not just from a strength point of view, but just strong in terms of their range as actors, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Carol, would, Carol, on the as as Michael Burnham would have been really good, <laughs> the lady that plays Carol, which we can fact check for next week. Anyway, let's move on to our watch list because I think we should wrap this up soon. Um, there's only one thing on the watch list here, That's because I forgot to put something on here. Um, yeah, what do you got first? I mean,
1: we have the first official non teaser trailer. So. Oh, the other four. Oh, it teaser trailer? Them. It was a teaser trailer apparently. But oh. That's the way that, that's the name of the game. I mean, and this is why I get lost. It's there, there's like, you know, trailers for the trailers, but that's really a trailer for the teaser and then there's yeah. a teaser and then there's uh often, you know, one, two, possibly three official trailers. And then there's TV the- versions which are real short and sweet, right? Yeah, the TV cuts that are sometimes just condensed, but then they'll throw in like an extra scene yeah. and modern era thing, but this is uh apparently the first official non-teaser trailer for Avengers Endgame uh it largely so can I take
0: two minutes and go watch it yeah go for it give it all right let's do that
1: why does it always have to be tony stark <laughs> <laughs> i mean he's the money maker right <laughs> i guess is he i mean he's probably the most well-known actor oh i guess yeah
0: okay there we go
1: yeah there we go two minutes 26 seconds (laughs) a lot of it's (laughs) sort of recapped of like you know here are the different characters sort of the first movies they appeared in iron man uh captain america Mm -hmm. or um a little bit of you know here's what some of the minor characters like black widow and hawkeye and uh ant-man have been up to and doesn't doesn't
0: that grayscale with like a little bit of color in there kind of thing for a bit you know
1: yeah yeah, it looked like the color red was the thing that was red and blue coming out so i wonder if that's a hint of some sort
0: red white and blue yeah
1: and uh, you know leads up to the end where they're apparently regrouping and wearing yeah, some snazzy suits, white suits, armor
0: yeah. yep. suits outfits yeah and doing that slow walk
1: the you know the um, like the oceans 11 walk
0: yeah ocean i was gonna say like the like the um the weatherman guy what was the the oh, guy from saturday life uh, oh anchorman, uh, with, uh, yeah, anchorman yeah. the
1: anchorman walk yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> Was that from and Ocean's then, Eleven when they did that?
1: I I thought... I don't know. like I've, I mean, I've seen this this trope in so many different movies. Sometimes yeah. it's hilarious. You know, like they're making fun of it, like in Anchorman. Yeah. I've seen it in um uh, Armageddon with Bruce Willis. Right. Right. Yeah, Even Luke Steve Tyler, Buscemi yeah. gets to do the cool walk, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then we've got the the stinger at the end after they show the logo of yeah. Thor having the... You know, being right in front of Captain Marvel and having the Stormbringer you know, come right to his hand... Right right next mm-hmm. to her face. She mm-hmm. doesn't even flinch. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I like this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Stormbringer, he loses that in the, in the Ragnarok movie, doesn't he? Uh, that was Mjolnir, the hammer that oh. he loses. Oh, this is the one he makes in The uh, Forge? Yes. Yes, this is the one he makes in Infinity War. So it's a hammer or an axe? I thought it was an axe he made. It's kind of both. It's like a big hammer with an axe blade or an oh, axe okay. with a big hammer okay. on the back end. I'm not sure. Right. You know, maybe there's a weapons expert that, that properly <laughs> describes it.
0: Isn't there a show like a reality show about that
1: there, yeah there is one where they like create them and, and compare yeah. them sort of thing yeah. yeah in an hour or whatever <laughs> well an hour of tv show time right i'm sure yeah, it yeah. takes a long time to make these things
0: <laughs> yeah no I've, I've actually i've actually forged metal believe it or not back in my my um sculpture days i'm just scanning through this movie this clip here to see if i can see and of course i like i like when the logo comes in and, the, and they they just hammer you over and over again with the with the tom tom hits and the the big brass hits right
1: mm-hmm. and you have that, that base i've that will feel real good in the theaters watching the, yeah. the trailer and yeah. feeling the, the subwoofer subwoofers well that's quite going a big through. hammer wow yeah i guess it's maybe more axe i mean he certainly uses it as an axe when he stabs or yeah but at the end of it he's leaning on Thanos. it like it's
0: got to be like you know almost four feet tall
1: right yeah with the handle is groot's arm oh is it oh right right yeah i just saw this film again recently um, yeah, on the airplane on the way back from japan and I remember that they were having trouble with the forge and so they had the metal and the like oh the handle didn't come up properly and yeah you have to assemble it before it cools so Groot grabs it wraps his fingers to tighten and become like a, a proper handle and then just breaks off his arm yeah. his tree limb arm and that's the handle for the stormbringer a St- storm breaker i have to look that up
0: no one can fact check it
1: <laughs> there we go storm breaker sorry storm breaker oh, okay. right and All the right. wikipedia entry describes it as an enchanted axe like mm. it's, i guess mm-hmm. it's considered more axe with a big hammer back end you know on the claw right right
0: so what happened is his Yomir, Yo what happened to that one? Mjolnir
1: was shattered by Hela, his sister and the main villain in uh, Thor Ragnarok.
0: Oh, okay. right thing. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week, Jaime. What do you think? Yeah, so, I, think, I think that's a good wrap-up there. Will we convene in the future? So people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, wherever they look? I'm on
1: Twitter as at
0: Right And my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And until next week, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our
1: website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Yeah, I need to go back and listen to last week's episode. I see here in the fact check there's a I saw a girl do the Muppet leg on Reddit. <laughs> Not safe for work. And no link in the show notes for those of you transporting it no, no. Home, Yeah,
0: so. I, I gotta go back to Well, I found it on the Reddit Reddit homepage. Like, I was, That's what I was asking you. Like, It just seemed like chaos on the front page, right? So, yeah. I did manage to find one of the stories today on the Hollywood, the Hollywood Reporter one that I one they brought in today. The second one about uh, Captain Marvel, I found that on Reddit today. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, was just, I, I was on the streetcar and I was, uh, did you like the call out for the star date at the beginning instead of of, uh, episode thirty eight. Yeah, I no, thought that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we are trying to figure out. So Jonathan and I we're talking about this. We're like, we're, do you have any idea how star dates are created? Like, like the funny thing is, like, like there's no time zone involved here, right? So according to according to star date,
1: it's the same. If five p.m. is star date, the same as eight p.m. here, right? I think there are two different systems. I think in the original series, they would just make up a number. Yeah. Okay. And so there's like no easy way to reconcile dates. I think in the next generation era at some point, maybe mm-hmm. even from the very beginning, they actually created a system of sorts so you can roughly yeah. figure out, even across series like Voyager and Deep Space Nine and mm-hmm. TNG, like where does something take place? Oh, okay, so that's why it's easily kind of like map you can sort it to of see your
0: canon when things happened, right?
1: Yeah, because people who are better at this than I am have said like, oh yeah, like this Voyager episode takes place prior to this thing because yeah. one, not only does Voyager not know about this part even when they communicate with folks, yeah. the star date also would imply that they couldn't possibly know. Right, right, right. Yeah. So according
0: to Wikipedia, a gen, the general idea
1: represents the Julian
0: date currently used by astronomers, writers, and producers. Selected like numbers using different methods over the years. So it makes it impossible to convert star dates into any equivalent ca- calendar dates. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay. So maybe the, the rule that they've got is just that it, you know, it needs to increase in this particular way. Yeah. But trying to map it to uh, Earth, solar system years is is tricky, if, if not impossible.
0: Right. So it says here in, in, in the notes from, from, I guess, from Star, the Structure Guide, we invented Star date to avoid continually mentioning Star Trek century, which is actually about 200 years from now. When's now, though? Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, true. And then Next Generation, we revised. Uh, Star date is a five-digit number followed by decimal one of one more digit. Uh First two digits are always 41. Oh, okay. Four stands for the 24th century. Really? And one stands for the first season. Oh. Oh, okay. So you have to go back and check out your next generation episodes now, right? Uh, the yeah. Show- it's
1: then, then that's interesting. What do they end up doing when they get to Deep Space Nine and Voyager? Well, the additional the
0: additional three digits will progress unevenly on the course of the season from zero 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 to nine 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 nine. The digit will follow decimal point, generally regarded as a day counter. So the the thing after after the, after the mark or the dot or whatever they say, right? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Deep Space Nine begins with 4639.1 dot one or mark one, uh, corresponding to the sixth season of star trek the next generation when it started i guess right or six? Oh, the first number is always
1: four okay got it and then why was our star
0: date it was nine something didn't i say 9600
1: yeah i didn't count the digits on what you were saying before Yeah, no. i
0: think it was 9600.54 0, 0, it's on the sh- on the show notes um next generation is also set in 2369 so star trek voyager began star, t- star date 48315.6 and that's uh, 2371 in our years so it's interesting that they that they they kind of came up with a way of it's always going to be a four representing the 24th century right yeah and then, and then one is the season of the show <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a convenient way to to roll about yeah, it. yeah.
0: well star trek nemesis is set around uh, five six eight four four point nine so that's in the 25th century right uh, yeah and that's the highest he, star date mentioned in any film it says
1: right in the, in the new um picard series will be the one that goes the furthest mm-hmm. well not furthest in the future in terms of like overall timelines but for this for the main cast
0: well then by that rule this start date should be not nine nine six eight oh nine for the 2019 right so what, what century are we in we're in the 21st century right now 21st so maybe it's a one there should be one nine six eight zero zero yeah i think the start date calculator on on that jonathan found is wrong by this definition
1: maybe maybe you <laughs> so shouldn't it's start like,
0: with a four we should start
1: with a one maybe it's like that problem where you can calculate dates pretty well in a lot of computer systems until you hit the Epoch
0: and you hit 1970. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the, the Y2K bug rearing its ugly head or something.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah it's it's in there. It's in our uh, in the links of last week's episode, which is why I went, was trying to find that at the beginning before we started recording. Yeah, it's weird. Like I put March 14th, 20. By the way, it's Pi Day for those of you driving at home. at 9 p.m., 9:30 p.m. And I hit convert, and it comes out as 968.0.53, which is wrong. <laughs> let's let's grab. So there's a reverse reverse calculator. Let's see where did I get that? I had two. Browser hits. Let's grab what they say. The uh, the I'll grab the, the one from um, Nemesis and punch that in because that should come back as a 25th century, right? My reckoning, no, you're not agreeing with me.
1: Well, I'm trying to think okay, so TNG starts in 2463 ish, I think you said. And the yeah. show, even if you include you added like another 20 years, it still doesn't yeah. seem to get into the yeah. 25th century. Oh, like, so this maybe is
0: based th- on the Star Trek online game. This isn't this isn't the right date marker thing. Oh,
1: because- that, that definitely. Definitely does more things with time and stuff because, like, I think the new the new Picard series might be the first one to start in the twenty fifth century. Is TNG what 20, 2463, and then just take you know nineteen eighties dates and move them over into the twenty nineteen, and, you know thirty ish years, pretty close to so the pretty, pretty close. Calculating wrong.
0: Oh, here's another one. Let's try this one. Okay, so I just put in the the date from um, Nemesis, and it came
1: up as November fifth, twenty three seventy nine. Is that right? 2379 that would be about right because TNG goes I don't know let's say 2360 2360 sorry yes 2360 2360 something and then you add like another seven years for seasons another like three to four years for movies
0: yeah I think this calculator is broken it's probably good probably um let's see here's another Star Trek guide calculating date there's another one let's try this one so we got 2019 March 1140 yeah sure that can be fine um according to this one this is 72, 656. They're all wrong, according to Wikipedia, right? Hmm. I gotta go with the Wikipedia definition,
1: I guess, right? I, I mean, sure. for gold. Let's see here. It's 20, what they say? 14, and it is, in my time, it is 832.
0: So here's, a, here's one done in pictures. It says one year equals 1,000 star date units. One year is 365 days equals n. What? Yeah, this one's messed up, too.
1: There's a different calculator from trekguide.com. It says the date would be 72664. 4. 2. Right now?
0: Yeah. 7264.2? Hmm. Who do you believe? I don't understand
1: how you... So the, I think this is doing weird things too because 72,664 versus 41,986 for the year 2364 for the next generation. Yeah. Oh, this date is giving me like a negative number. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. I think,
0: I think the one I looked at did the same thing. It was a like 3,000 something or other, or 30,000. No way to do this accurately.
1: Uh, looks like I've looked at, star trek online academy trek guide uh hill uh and that's it so far i you know what what if this works kind of like ad and bc where there's just like a yeah a and resetting yeah, and there's like a new 3000 as well or three yeah three like zero. like a new year zero right. like you know uh birth oh, of the federation we're, we're, of course we're actually or, before the, the federation formed yeah or like like maybe the year zero is birth of the federation or first contact with the vulcans or some other date mm-hmm. and then that's that's Why we get weird numbers where we maybe arguably should have a negative number for you know prehistory sort of date. Let me try this one here.
0: Oh, this one only works between what does this one say between 2323 23 and 24 23? Why post it online? <laughs> oh, here it <laughs> says the current start date is is uh okay, it says this the current start date is minus 304199.95 is what we you both said, right? It says in the 24th century it is currently start date 73199.95. How many seasons? were Star Trek on for seven seasons, right? TNG was on for seven, yeah. Yeah, so, so like the so the star date would start with seven, right? No, sorry, four, right? What would be twenty fourth century, right?
1: I, I think so. If I understood what you were saying on the
0: rules. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, how could all these sites be wrong? <laughs> They're all wrong. This one's got a, a JavaScript clock that's running. So we are. Uh, let's see, <laughs> Excel. Where this number? is a TLE epoch. I don't know what that is. There's a Julian date, Mars soul date. Yeah, so it's got the STO star date, which is nine six eight zero five eight nine, close to what we just said, right?
1: Mm, yeah. So,
0: oh, this this one's got a chart here that shows Enterprise um start is, is apparently starts in twenty one fifty one and ends in twenty one fifty five and there's no start date. It says Star Trek Discovery is one two zero seven point three and the original series is heavyweight. rate. Yeah. Okay. So oh, oh, you know what what's weird about it? I mean, is because like the next generation all start with four, right? So Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine has four, uh, Voyager has four, and the movies seven, eight, nine, and ten are four and 56. Which is the fifty six eighty four eight four four point nine is is um, nemesis again, right? But the original series doesn't have, doesn't start with uh, like a three and a two in front of it, which is in twenty two fifty sixty five is
1: when it started in our year, right? Yeah, and I I think I'd read somewhere that they were just sort of making up numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded good back then. They didn't have like an actual system. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. They, well, so yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll just go with the Star Trek online game time, which is what we used in the episode.
1: <laughs> not that it matters. I mean, you know, the, maybe a way to reconcile is maybe they say start date, but like, mm. I don't I don't know when we'll get to this point in this era, but you know, we said, what year is it? 85, 72, 99. You know, we didn't bother saying 19 because it was like, oh, you know, obviously you're well into the century.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're not
1: far enough into the century to say, oh, it's the year 19. I'm not sure exactly when people start, you know, switching over. There's
0: when another the, one here on the this- this uh, page and it's obviously calculated in, in using JavaScript because it says contemporary star dates. Star Trek Guide.com says the star date is seventy two six six five point nine negative TNG. That, oh, guess that's what it is. Yeah, I guess it's working backwards from TNG, like you said, the before time and the after time, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we get the 303778.7. Uh, star Trek Online says ninety six eight um, zero five point eight nine, which is what because that's what we called up today. We said 96800 mark whatever because it was like an hour two hours ago right right and this thing called mjd which i don't know what that is and there's kelvin timelines 2019.74 i don't know if that's the the, uh, the that's the new movie timeline <laughs> the new movies right
1: yeah i, I guess so because they mentioned kelvin timeline i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's gonna hurt our brains. Decimal time. Random thoughts about time and stuff. Well, according to this this uh, this clock here, it's nine hours and eighty six minutes. Is it nine o'clock there? No, no, it's not yet.
1: Not quite. It's eight forty one here. Yeah.
0: So this this whoever built this website must be living in the, the time zone between you and me. All right. I guess we'll sign off and see you next, next week. For, we'll find out by next week whether we're uh, going to go into the uh, lottery or not, eh? We'll find out live on, on More Than Just Code. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, yes, whether we're entering the lottery, oh, right? Oh, well,
0: because it'll be, yeah, 5 p.m. your time, so we will know by that time, but before we start recording, whether any of us are going to go, right?
1: Well, whether anybody submitted, because that's the, the end of the registration time, but oh. I think it won't be till, like, Friday or Monday afterwards. I forget how long it takes before oh, that was, like, immediate. do the selection. Is it?
0: I think it's immediate. As soon as the window closes, like within really?
1: ten minutes after the window closes, if you don't hear from Apple, you're not going. Okay, I didn't even think about the fact yeah, that I was same think it's day. Pretty, is pretty much immediate. Yep. Okay. <laughs> cool. Two thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. Sorry. Yes. Thirty-eight.